I'm John Holtkamp. I'm the founder of Aperture Interactive. We have a product called Faithlink Apps, which are apps just for churches, for mobile, for Android and iOS. We also make TV apps for Apple TV and Roku. And I'm also the media director at my church, Mosaic Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I get to deal with the nitty-gritty working in the church of seeing how the butting heads trying to get materials. But also I understand what it's like to work with churches on a higher level and just tell them what they need to do to get the stuff into the app. So I think it's a little bit of understanding where I come from. Synergy is obviously a great opportunity for us all to network. Uh, if you want to talk to me about anything from a website to an app, it doesn't mean I think like you need to get an app with me to be able to talk to me. I'd love to network with any of you, work with you, give you advice on a website if you want advice on a website. Uh, this is a ministry for my wife and I, so uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to help in any way that we can. Um, I'm supposed to open with questions. You'll probably have more questions once we finish. Does anybody have any dying questions that they need to ask right now? Awesome. Okay, so diving right into it. What we're going to do is um, we're going to start off talking about why you would even make an app. Uh, this is going to cover how an app can help visitors and also how an app can help the members that already go to your church. But to start it off, I'm going to start with the question that I get asked the most often and used to be the hardest question for me to answer. After we go through that and I explain why you'd make it, we'll talk about what an app can do. And this can be anything, but I'll talk about what the apps I make do, what I see other companies that make apps for churches do, and what you should expect from an app. Because there are I'd say 80% of the companies out there that will make an app for churches and try to sell you an app won't even have the stuff that a church probably actually needs. And then um, we'll finish up talking about what it looks like to actually create the app and what it looks like to maintain the app, like timing-wise, cost-wise, how do you pick what developer you want to work with. So to begin with, the tough question I'm asked all the time is, why would I make an app? if I have a mobile-friendly website. So if you look at this right off the bat, you see that Renaissance, this is not a bash against Renaissance Interactive. In fact, this is a nice-looking website on mobile. But you have a nice-looking website, and it displays on the phone, and it looks kind of like an app. I mean, you can see, at first glance, I could see how you could ask that question. Why would you even bother with an app if your website looks that good on mobile? But my question to you would be, what, what is the website for versus what is the app for? Like, what is your website for? And the answer is, I mean, in a, in a big way, the website is the main way people are going to find out about your church. That's what's going to make people want to come to your church. And because of that, you want all of your information on your website. You want everything there. And that's why when Ron comes to you and wants the men's Bible study, and Susie comes and wants the women's Bible study, and we want children's church, you end up having drop-down menu, drop-down menu, drop-down menu on your website. And then everyone's a little frustrated because none of their stuff's up front and center, but it's actually a great website because you're getting the content to the people that actually need it. What an app, what I, my word of advice for people who ask about building an app for what should go in an app is I have a 20% rule. And you ask yourself, will this content be used by 20% of the congregation every single week? Because you don't want to have information in there like staff, for instance, which some people may look at once. Most people won't look at it at all. Now, that's great for a website, but for an app, either consciously or subconsciously, people are going to have to be flipping by that every time they use the app, and they're going to stop using the app. So, I mean, really the way I look at it is if, if you have an app that's a really good website, your app is not a good app. And if you have a website that's a really good app, you don't have enough content on your website. 
And that's just one, one little area. Also, you have the issue of every time you click anything, you have a little loading wheel and the slowness, sluggishness of having to run your website as an app. But hopefully that gives a little idea. And I just bring that up because that's the question I'm asked so often. So it makes more sense just to overcome it before it's asked. So going into how it helps visitors. Um, talk about three things here. Uh, the first one is that it makes the church more relevant for visitors. So people love being on their phones, love typing on their phones, feel comfortable on their phones. So you're just giving them something that is culturally relevant to them now. Obviously, it's not important for the church to conform to the world. In fact, we shouldn't. But to make it relevant to the world, that's awesome. And even, I mean, Jesus did that with his parables. When he spoke in parables, it was what was popular at the time. It was what people enjoyed hearing. So in the same way, being able to have an app in church where someone can take sermon notes on it, be comfortable, be doing something that's relevant to them, it gives them a way to interact with the church that they enjoy. Um, The other thing is it adds familiarity and comfort. People come into your church. My wife and I were missionaries to China, so we came back and... We were there for a year, so we were trying to figure out where we belonged once we got back. We didn't have jobs. We are moving from family to family. It was awful. But in the meantime, we're getting to also visit church to church because we're never sure where we're going to settle, right? So um, as you go to church to church, as I'm sure some of you experienced, when you go into church, they want to like have as many touches as possible. You go to the door, someone's greeting. You go into the sanctuary, someone's greeting. You leave, the pastor gre- or says goodbye. And so many people talking to you. It's important. But I mean, even with that, you still feel like this is a group of awesome people who know each other really well. And I don't know anybody. I do not feel like I belong. And it's just kind of an awkward feeling. And while obviously an app is not going to just snap and fix that problem, it does give you the ability that at the start of the message or when you're doing announcements, you can be like, okay, if you'll pull out your phone now and download our app, and then people are, you're giving them permission to pull out their phone. It's not like a awkward, I'm going to feel comfortable now and I'm just going to pull out my phone and rebel. You're saying, dude, pull out your phone. It's cool. It's, it's all right here. And then, I mean, the person may not even ever think to themselves, this is awesome. But I bet they feel really good all of a sudden because they're getting this comfort level that it might be stupid, but in modern society, it's true. They're getting this comfort level of being able to pull out their phone and use it. And not just, I'm not saying they're getting on Facebook in middle church. I'm saying they're, inter- they're interacting with your sermon, taking sermon notes in their phone, looking at the announcements, putting events from your calendar in their phone, that kind of thing. Um, the last thing is it keeps the church in mind after Sunday. So assuming that they did download your sermon or download your app, uh, that means that now they have your icon, obviously, on their home screen. They're going to see it throughout the week or as long as they keep it downloaded. Uh, they can go in there later. They can submit a Connect card because it can be kind of awkward for a visitor to fill out a Connect card or whatever you call it. Um, and also, <laughs> also, um, oh man, I almost betrayed thought. Uh, it also gives you the ability to send them push notifications so you can contact them from like throughout the week. Obviously, you don't want to just spam push notifications at your congregation all the time for visitors, but it gives you the ability to be able to contact people and get information out and remind them, hey, the church exists. Remember, you enjoyed being here. So for members, um, an app is great for a lot of the same reasons. Obviously, it's they don't need the level of comfort, but at the same time, they if they can interact with the service better, taking sermon notes and such, it really does help them to be able to experience the service better and just take it in better. It also gives you the... Oh, yes, go right ahead. Is this content available? Oh, man. Yes, so that was one of the five points I'm supposed to cover before I start, and I dropped the ball. At the very end of this presentation, I'm going to have a QR code if anybody has any idea how to use a QR code reader, and it'll be right here, and the whole presentation will be on there. Yeah, Uh, and if... 
If you don't have a QR code reader, then I will be glad to somehow get you that link. Email it to you or whatever you need. Sorry, I didn't say that, everyone. Okay, so going back, it also simplifies the process of propagating news and events. Uh, my church has had always, I, it's got to be every church. You just have an issue where someone's always upset they're not hearing about events. They see some event on Twitter. Everyone went to the event, had a great time, except then because they weren't paying attention to what was announced in church and posted on Twitter and posted on Facebook and sent on the newsletter. So this just, <laughs> this gives the ability for you to have it all inside the app. So you can have your newsletter without requiring them to subscribe. You can have them, let them read Facebook without them needing to have Facebook. Let them read Twitter without needing to have Twitter. It gives them access to all that content your church has without letting the people who are scared to subscribe or sign up for Facebook actually need any of those accounts. So it helps to keep everyone connected in that way. And then when someone complains... Unless they don't have a smartphone, which obviously there are plenty of people that don't, but unless if they have a smartphone, just say, did you check the app? Like, there's 20 different places in the app that just showed that event was going to happen. Um, also, there's this long list. I'm actually going to just let you look at it real fast, just a list of things that can happen I'm gonna, or that you can use. I'm going to go through a lot of these in later slides, but I want to have time for questions at the end, so I don't want to just read through and list these off to you. Um, so... With that being said of how an app can help members and visitors, what can an app actually do? And like I said, I'm running through this to give an idea of, from my experience, seeing what other church apps do, what I do with church apps, what I think is important to have in an app. There's a lot of developers out there who have websites that aren't even meant for church apps. Because you can just buy a website that just like conglomerates RSS feeds and posts them. And I see churches do that, but it's just an ugly mess. The content isn't really accessible. It's half broken. And the problem is if you get in with a developer that has that sort of thing, you might, you might approach it like it's a website. Like, hey, I'll just, we'll just make a website. And if it doesn't work in six months, we'll just switch websites because it's always pointing at the same URL. It doesn't matter. Where, wherever they, whenever they go to yourchurch.com, it's always your website. But with an app, they have like an app on their phone that's you. So if you want to switch it, you've got to get another app. And you got to tell them to delete that first app for months because what if so-and-so isn't there for the, a month because they're on vacation or whatever? you got to keep telling them we're not using it. And then what about all the people that are following your ministry but they don't actually go to the church? Why, why, how will they ever know why the content stopped coming? So it's really important to realize that you can't approach it with a short-term mindset like you would a, a website. And that's not saying the approach to a website is wrong. It's just it's two completely different ways of approaching a product. So one of the first things that is really cool that a app can do is, does anybody here use Uversion, the Bible app to post sermon notes? So it's an awesome tool and it's getting better. I, last year when I talked about this, I had to explain, you click the button in the top left corner, slides over menu, slide down, pick live, pick your church, pick this. It's getting a little better where there's still like a live, but you got to go into the, I forget what it is, there's a button down here, and you go through a few menus to find your church, then pick the sermon, then view the sermon notes. And even then, you can only take notes on certain sections of the sermon. So what we do is we actually take the version notes. If you're already posting it, you wouldn't actually do anything different. We take the version notes, we tear down the code, and then rebuild it to brand it for your church so it looks like this. But now you can touch anything in the notes, take notes on it in the app, and then once you take a note, a little symbol appears next to the area you took a note on. And then at the end of the sermon, you can click email, and it will build an email out that is all of the notes and integrate those notes in with your notes. So it's, it's a really nice way for someone like me who has a hard time focusing during a sermon, which is just fault I have, of being able to just sit there and take notes. I cannot, 
I can't express how much easier it is for me to be able to focus on a sermon when I can do something like that, which I just love to do and taking notes and going crazy typing. But uh, yeah, it's a really powerful tool. And a lot of, there are a lot of apps that allow you to integrate with version. So this is certainly, I'm certainly not the only person that's going to let you be able to do this. Um, the next thing is audio and video podcasts. Uh, most church apps will allow you to do this, but just let you divide your sermons by sermon series. And then once you click a series, you can click a specific sermon. Once you click a specific sermon, you can play the sermon audio, video, read the notes that you posted on Uversion before, and just gives you access to all of that stuff. I'm flying through this. If you see any of these that you have questions about, just scribble it down and ask me afterwards. That way I don't hang on something that nobody cares about. Um, for the calendar, uh, when we... <laughs> When we built the calendar, I actually thought it would be a fun feature that people might look at occasionally. This has become the most important feature in our apps because people love the fact that, I mean, you have, you have the events listed, but now you can just click add to calendar and it's added to their device calendar. So once you add it to iCal or your Google calendar, then it's on your computer. It's everywhere. So you can just scroll through all your church events and just click add to calendar on all of them and it's just in, in like a minute, you've added everything instead of having to type out all the events. Also, you have an information button, which can pop up all the information. And if you have information that's in the description for that event, like this is a Google Calendar. So we're not like, this is taking it so just like you version. Now we're not displaying that ugly iframe that no doubt you've seen when someone shows Google Calendar on a, a mobile device that looks really ugly. Now we break it down, rebuild it, and then if it detects an email address or a URL or anything, it will add an extra button so people can email you, email the contact for that event. So you don't have to do anything extra. You just keep posting to Google Calendar as you did, and it will add buttons and do everything as it sees it needs to. Um, a reading plan. This is a one-year reading plan. So you have an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverb. We're integrating the F260 reading plan right now from Replicate Ministries. Uh, but it gives you the ability to just click any of the passages for that day. It will just update automatically, so you never have to go in and do anything with it. It'll, you can read the scripture, and it'll even track the stats for your reading for the day, like consecutive days, days total, months total, weeks total, and year. This, the uh, reading stats right now is only on iOS. Everything else works, and it, it, the plan is to get it working on Android as well. Um, so along with the fact that the app does all this for you, it does come with a cost. So one benefit that comes with it, though, is the fact that you can go paperless or start using less paper. And I understand from being in the media department at my church, going paperless is not easy if you're not on that track right now. Because people are going to drag their feet and drag their feet and drag their feet. Our church probably took a year to get to the point where we are, and we're not nearly paperless. But with your like really heavy stock uh, connect cards, bulletins, all that stuff, I mean, you can integrate it into the app and push people to the app. And I mean, tell them why you're doing it. Don't just do it and leave them hanging angry. Like, let them know, hey, we're doing this because we're trying to be good with our money. There's no reason we need to print this if you have access to your phone. So please only grab our paper bulletins or our connect cards if you don't have a smartphone, and that sort of thing. And that, that is what worked with our church, and we really are moving in the direction where we can go paperless. Um, next up is push notifications. These are those little things that pop in at the top of your screen when someone messages you on Twitter or Facebook or you get an email or anything. You Oh, I'm not looking at push notifications. I apologize. I was looking at the following slide. What in the world? All right, let's go to push notifications. I'm already talking about it. Um, 
so you have the ability now to send out a message to anybody that's downloaded the app on iOS and Android. On Android, it will automatically add them to the list for push notifications. So they don't opt in. They opt out for push notifications. On iOS, you actually have to opt in for push notifications. Hopefully that makes sense. So you might have fewer people on iOS. But if when the app comes, goes live at your church... It's great to stand up in front and say, hey, we have a new app. When you download it, please make sure to opt in for push notifications because this is how we will be spreading news the fastest for like snow day or being closed for snow, for uh, cookout information. And what you can do with these is not only does it pop a little message in the top, but you can make it so when you click that message, it can take you to any URL on the web. So you could have, click here for more information about our cookout. Someone can click that push notification and it can open a website instead of the app and take them to whatever information you want. So it's a really valuable tool that may actually not even guide them into the app, but you need an app in order to do it. And I know churches that spend a lot of money just to have a texting service that can't even do that sort of thing. And this just kind of comes layered on top with an Android or an iOS app for no extra cost. I go back to small groups. Uh, a cool feature that only a few of our churches use, actually, is the ability to have a list of small groups. And you can even have pictures for the small group, the small group name, the location of the small group, and make it so when any item is clicked, you can have their contact information, click to email them, click to call them. I mean, any of this stuff is really up to you as a church to tell me how you would want to do it. In a lot of cases, I think that's how it would be for app developers. So, uh you have a lot of flexibility with this, but it's been a really neat tool for the churches that have used it to be able to grow their small groups out and make them appealing to people because when you can actually see the groups, know where they are, and just kind of check on things, it makes it a lot easier. All right. So co- having covered um, the why you'd make an app and what should go in an app, I'm going to go into the ins and outs of having an app. So what's it look like to pick the developer? What's, what's the work going to look like you to, for you to actually design the app? And um, what's it look like for you to promote and maintain that app? So for picking a developer, you have, I have three things I'm going to talk about. Like Seriously, one of the most important things is still going back to what I said. Don't approach it like a website. Never approach an app like in six months we can just switch. Technically, you can, but realize the strain you're putting on everyone at your church. Because I promise you, you'll have people dragging your feet that you have an app in the first place. When you tell them to switch apps, they're just going to throw a fit. But uh, the, thing, the three things I'm going to talk about are the cost to develop the app. So what you should expect with the cost. Um, what can the app do? So what should you... And it's a little different than what I talked about the app doing before. And uh, what does it take to actually maintain the app? So for cost of the app... You're going to have two costs. Um, you're going to have the setup cost. And I say the setup cost can range from $49 to $10,000. In reality, it's really 49 to infinity because you can approach apps in two different ways. You can approach apps as, I'm going to have this company develop the app for me, and I'm going to pay them a monthly cost. Or you can say, I'm going to pay an app to develop this app for me, and now it's mine. And I can understand how it can be easy to say, all right, well, I'm going to pay $10,000 for an app. That's a lot. But if they're charging me $100 a month, how many years will it be until we're not paying anything for this app anymore? And I see people posting on forums. I'm so, I mean, this is my life. So I see so many people talking about this sort of thing. Why, why are there monthly costs and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, if you did pay that huge cost up front, what's going to happen when iOS 10 comes out, when iOS 11 comes out, when Android N comes out? Like, who's going to update the app? Because it's your app now. It's your problem. So if 
if you ever come into a situation where someone does this, and this is actually a case, this happens with websites too, where someone tries to sell you a website really expensive or an app really expensive up front. Just be cautious. Make sure you understand, have a contract written that they will make sure the app keeps running when iOS 11 comes out. Um, because otherwise you'll probably come back to them or you're gonna have to find someone else. And you're gonna pay them 5,000 or $10,000 just to update both, all your apps again. Um, so like I said, you'll either pay a lot up front or you'll pay, the upfront cost will be subsidized by the monthly cost. And the monthly cost will usually be between 20, I say in 150, it's actually more like 20 to 180 now. The, one of the most popular church app developers is right around $180 for their main package. So it could be anywhere between 20 and $180 per month. And like I said, the monthly fee is helpful because one, it brings down the development cost. And two, it also encourages the developer to keep updating your app. Now, if you stop paying them, they're not getting paid. They didn't get paid up front. So it's a great way to give them incentive to make the app look good. Because even though it's tough to switch, I've had companies or I've had churches switch to having apps with me. And I have no stories of other churches switching. It's not unusual for churches to switch apps because the company quit updating the app correctly. So the second thing is what can the app do? So we said the cost of the app for picking the developer, then what can the app do for picking the developer? And um, one is what platform is the, is the app on? So obviously you have I, I, iPhone, iOS, for I, I, iPhone and iPad. You have Android, Android tablet. But then you're going to have things like Windows Phone. You're going to have BlackBerry. You're going to have... Um, Amazon Fire Phone. So the question you're going to have to ask yourself is, how much do we want to dish out to be able to support all these phones? I mean, 95% uh, of Americans, I believe, are right around there have an Android or an iOS phone. So that other 5% or whatever split between everything else. I know Windows Phone is the one that's mentioned the most in the church app world after iPhone and Android. And that's like 2.4%. So it's kind of a tough sell since probably most of your church, I mean, your church may not even, no one in your church may use it. And if they do, it's a matter of Microsoft's gotten themselves in kind of a catch-22, all of the ones I mentioned, because they insist to have their own app store, which makes it tougher for developers. So there aren't any apps, but no one's buying the phones because there's no apps, but no one's making apps because there's no phones. And it's just like a catch-22 that's, I, I don't understand how it could end. I mean, Microsoft's pouring money into it, and their sales are going down for the Windows phone. So... Uh, my company actually only supports Android and iOS just because it makes no sense to sync the time into the others. But if it's important to you, just make sure you know whoever you go with does support. Maybe you have a church that has half Windows phones, so make sure you have support for whatever device is used in your church. And also, another important thing is, from what I find in churches, leadership in the church usually either all use Android or all use iOS. I don't know why it's like completely one way or the other way. And usually they just assume nobody's using the other one. So I'll work with iOS, churches that are heavy iOS, and I'll mention Android, and they don't even care what I have to say. Like, just do whatever you want. So just like, take it seriously. Realize 50, it's usually a 50-50 split in all churches because that's kind of how it is here in America. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't just blow off the one that leadership isn't using in the church. Um, also, download the app and see what it looks like. There are a lot of great-looking church app websites. Make sure you actually download the app and see what it looks like. And if you know you don't have an eye for good UI, good user interfaces or artwork, have someone that does look at it. They'll appreciate that you had them come do it. And realize you're not going to go to a company and say you want an app to look and work just like Twitter. I mean, they're not, nobody's going to make you something that a multi-million dollar company is making. 
But at the same time, you can make sure the app looks good. Because, I mean, these are seriously church, or these are seriously apps made by church app companies, and they are very bland. And I, there's apps like this coming out today. So just make sure you know what you're getting into and don't just trust that the website you're looking at is what the end product's going to look like. Um, also, can the app handle all of the stuff that you want to use? Does it handle podcasts? Does it handle sermon notes? Uh, can it show the social networks you want to show? Can you have in-app giving, calendars, push notifications? Can everything that you want to do, is it doable? And if it is, what's it going to look like for you to make sure it's actually in the app? Are you going to have to manually add it into the app every week? Or is it just going to automatically go into the app based off of whatever you're already posting to? Um, So then what's it look like to update and maintain the app? So as I said before, a huge question that you need to ask is how does the developer handle OS updates? So when iOS 11 comes out, what's that look like? And that's not just asking, is this part of our monthly cost, but also asking how quickly do you update the app? Like, is iOS 10 going to come out? For instance, there was the jump from iOS 6 to iOS 7. Everything looked a lot different. A lot of apps took 9 to 15 months to actually start having that different look. So just, is that, what's it going to be like for you? Are you going to start looking like you're falling way behind before they get back around to you? Or what's their update time look like? Um, And what's it look like for you to update that information in the app? Are you going to have to log into a secondary website and actually update the information manually? Or is it going to automatically grab that information updated to the app? Just be thinking, how long are we going to spend as a church every week needing to update this app? Um, For designing the app yourself, or as you're talking to the developer, um, like I said, one thing that you really want to consider is the 20% rule. And I completely made up the 20% rule, so don't go looking for it. But it's a great, it's a great way to understand how an app is different from a website and understanding what content should go into the app. Like, just make sure people are actually going to use this content. You're not just putting it in there because it's on the website. Um, with that being said, when you're choosing the layout, um, it takes very little effort for you other than just saying, this is what we want. Like, we want to have sermon notes, we want to have podcasts, we want to have videos, we want to have calendar. After that, really, you just need to supply a little bit of artwork. Like, it's not, it's not a huge ordeal. It's not like setting up a website where you go into WordPress or something, and you have to figure out how to use the template you just got, and you have no idea what's going on, you're pulling your hair out. You, really, it's just a few, a few assets, like an app icon, which is what you click to open the app, and the splash screen, which is what displays when the app opens, and then banners, and a few other little things. But honestly, it's just a matter of figuring out what you want in the app, whether it will work in the app, or how much work you want to put into having it in the app, and then just getting a few assets to the developer in order to have them integrate them into the app. Okay, so I'm actually running a little ahead of schedule, but um, the last thing I want to talk about is, so the app is made, you're about to deploy it, it's about to go live, What's that look like? And this is, a, this is a graph showing the activity for My Church's app from February 7th, 2015 to March 27th, 2015. So every black or red arrow is a Sunday. And this is app usage on iOS. So just for those in the back, this is 180 right here, 240. That's how many sessions, how many people were using it. My Church is a church of around 400 to 500. So, I mean... For just iOS to be 240, you know some of those people are backing out of the app and going back into the app because this is per session, not per user. But um, what this graph is showing is that uh, my pastor, two years into having the app, is mentioning the app when we start 
when he starts the message. He just always says, hey, if you pull out your phone now, you can follow along with the notes. So it's that fast. This isn't like a, t- a minute-long explanation of we have an app, just something that fast. And we're right about around this usage. We have a guest speaker, and the usage drops to half because he doesn't mention the app in church. So I'm, I'm giddy because I have data points to play with now. So the following, the, the following week, um, pastor's back. I don't say anything to him, and he mentions the app just like he always does. It jumps to about where it normally is. The following week, we have someone in staff preaching that's not the pastor. Once again, he doesn't mention the app. And it drops to half usage. So I tell the pastor about, hey, this is what I'm seeing happen. So he, he's very intentional about mentioning the app. Maybe takes 10 seconds to say something a little extra about the app. And the usage draw, or jumped higher than it ever had been before. So this is two years into having the app, right? Everybody knows we have an app. This just shows how important it is to make sure you don't just assume, hey, we've told everyone they ha- we have an app. They know it. They're just going to keep using it because they know what it does. Like, you've got to keep promoting it. Yeah. Why is there no activity during the week? Well, this is Sunday. So this is everyone opening the app for sermon notes. So then, I mean, you have activity. Like, here you're going to... Well, you have around 50 sessions. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's not... I mean, everyone doesn't have a reason to just open your app every day. If you... If you're... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, actually, and that is true. My church doesn't send out many push notifications. Um, but I mean, you can see here, there's small group activity. So you can really see what's going on on days of when you start seeing activity. But I mean, it, on Sundays, and also our church, not only do we have our messages on Sunday, we also have most of our small groups on Sundays. So I mean, all of that combines into huge peaks. But I mean, this is how most apps are going to look, where you have... 50, I mean, maybe 70 sessions on a weekday, and then you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of sessions on a Sunday. Um, But yeah, it just shows the importance of actually promoting the app and not just assuming it's going to be a machine that runs itself once people know about it for a few months. Um, So the app is now ready to go. These are a few ideas for how you can promote the app and um, just talking about the importance of actually updating the app. So once the app is actually ready to go, you can create a QR code. There's actually ways now using something called Branch where you can create a link that will link to both iOS and Android apps. So you just have a single link, and if someone clicks it on any device, it'll take them to the correct app store and their app there. So you could create a QR code, put it in a bulletin, do something like that, put it on a projector screen, and people and just take a minute out the week the, the app goes live and say, hey, we have a new app, either look at the bulletin and use your phone to scan the QR code or just use the, use the projector screen. I've known the church that had the greatest, um, they picked up the most users in the first week was a church that just stopped everything and said, hey, we got a new app. Everyone, here it is. Or take a few seconds to download it and then just talked about it for like five minutes. I mean, it's a one Sunday thing, but just make sure everyone knows about the app, understands what the app can do, and you cannot assume that everyone will ever understand any function of the app. I, our app had been around for a year and a half having the sermon note functionality, and I added a little banner to the top of it that just says touch anywhere to take a note, and people went crazy. They're like, oh, when did you add that feature? And it had always been there. Just no one actually told anybody it was there. So, and that's how everything's going to be. And obviously, you can't spell everything out in the app for people. So you're going to have to tell them verbally what most of it is. You're going to drive them crazy because everything's going to have, have its own directions. Um, 
Another thing is to post app links on social media. I mentioned that branch links. Uh, branch creates links that uh, have like a nice, you see links on Facebook that look real nice. They have their nice little box and a nice little image and a title and description. Yeah, so it creates a link like that. So you just post the link and it will just link them to whatever store they need to be to and give them a description about it. Uh, make sure you talk about the uh, app before sermons. And I advise not just doing this the week the app launches. Do this consistently and forever just to keep people knowing the apps there, making sure visitors know the apps there. Because still, the app, one of the great things for the app is the visitors knowing you're, thinking your church is more relevant. So make sure that you're putting it out there and not just ignoring the fact it exists there. They'll never know it's there. Um, and also just adding a link into like a MailChimp newsletter if you have a MailChimp newsletter. Um, and then... To finish, I just wanted to mention the importance of updating the app regularly. And this is the same for your website. It is so bad to create an app or a website and then just post it and just let it go stale. Like have sermon notes up for three weeks, the same sermon notes, or let the sermon notes go down and never post new sermon notes. Because someone might come back one week later and see no sermon notes and just be like, well, this is frustrating, but maybe that's just a bad week for staff. But after two weeks, they'll probably just be frustrated with the app because it's something they liked, and now you're not updating it for some reason. They know you're paying for it as a church, and you're not using it, and it just it's going to end up causing the app to be something that's more of a hindrance to your church than a help to your church. So going into an app, realize that you need to continually update the information in it, whether it's podcasts, sermon notes, your calendar. And in many cases, you're probably already doing most of that. Like you said, you use version. You're probably already posting podcasts to your website. You're probably already posting your calendar, but just continue doing that. Don't let it stop for two weeks because you had a rough week or you might really damage the way people view your app. Yeah, sure. Yes, and that's how that's how we do everything. Yeah, and I mean a lot. I'm not. We're not the only ones that do that. We actually deal. You have. I I brushed over earlier. You have like a content management system version, and that means you log into a website and you can just kind of do whatever you want with the app. But in some cases, you need to actually post your content there a second time. But what we do is we actually work with a church to get like whatever information they feel comfortable giving us, like logging into their website and configuring their podcast to work with the app so that maybe you have to add just a tag to your podcast or something, just like the sermon series name. I mean, the app needs to know when you post like what sermon series it relates to, to put it into that bin inside the app. So just like little tiny bits of things that might take you literally five seconds to change. But our goal is to make it so you spend like five minutes on your app a week and just keep doing whatever it was that you were doing. And I think a lot of apps are that way. It's not just us. Yeah. Yeah. I have a number of Clover apps. Um, uh, Oh, yep. So uh, I actually think that brings us to a close. This is that beautiful QR code. Do people actually know how to use a QR codes? Okay. I'm okay. Cause I, I find it interesting we use them so much everywhere, and I don't know how many people actually know what to do with them. So, like I said, if you want to come to me, I'll be glad to email any of you uh, later on. The, but the QR code should work. It should take you right to this presentation on my Google Drive, and you should be good to go. Do, uh, do any of you have any questions? Yes? Yeah, we usually charge, and anybody's going to charge an upfront cost, and the problem is 
it takes, there's a lot of work that goes into just posting it to the app store. So if you just pull out, there's usually, it's good. The upfront cost is almost like a little bit of a commitment on your end is all it is. Yeah, so for us, it's $99, which actually doesn't really bring our risk down that much. It's just... Oh. Yeah. But I've never had anyone say, um, hey, why don't you just pay us monthly? Mm-hmm. And then that also takes away my risk of the maintenance issue of new OS. Yeah. And Yeah, we charge fifty dollars a month, and the only reason that sh- the only reason that would change is if um, you wanted something like really crazy. Right. Then that I'm going to have to go in and update your app specifically. Code, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Second question is like we, I used to use Clover. We use GoDaddy when I build our website. Okay. I added it through GoDaddy. So does that mean I have to like similar question as he had add stuff twice, or are you able to work with? Would you happen to know if you build WordPress on top of GoDaddy? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I actually haven't dealt with it yet. I mean, if you... That's been my hindrance, is I don't want to type everything twice, and if I yes. mention to another staff member, hey, I'm going to teach you how to, you know, add the content to this app, they're just going to freak out. I'd say that's probably something we'd want to talk about afterwards, just because I've never... I didn't even realize GoDaddy had their own web platform. I thought they were just hosting. So, um... Yeah, I would have to look at it, but I mean, all the time. I mean, someone at one point came to me and said, "Do you do Clover?" And I figured out how to integrate it with Clover. And someone comes to me and says, "How do you work with ShareFace?" And I figure out how to. So I mean, this is just one more example. I'd say probably 25% of the churches seem to be a new platform that I got to figure out, and it's no extra cost because it's a benefit to me to figure out how to do it. So when the next person comes, I can see I do it. Yeah. So um, I mean, and but the other issue is if just to, and this is with anything, but for instance, if they don't provide a feed that the app can use, there's nothing the app can do. So, I mean, it is, it's work on our end that other companies probably wouldn't do to make it work for you. But at the same time, there are points where we're like, I mean, we can't do it. Yeah. And that's not, obviously, we want to do it. But that, and that does happen. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. Okay, so also, um, we, use, we use ACS for, like, our online giving and stuff. Okay. So with online giving, Apple is very rough to work with, and so is Google. You are not allowed to actually donate or give money to anything and actually keep someone in the app. So we have to link someone out of the app, which isn't a huge issue on Android because there's a back button. It just takes them back into the app once they're done. And now with iOS 9, there's actually the option to go back also in the uh, top nav bar. So, I mean, it's absolutely... I have accidentally submitted many, many, many apps with giving built into the app just because it's a matter of just like a little line of code and the app gets rejected every single so time. Just linking. Yeah, you would give me the link. Which is what you have to do on our, web, on our website yeah. a lot of times anyway. You'd give me the link and you could tell me I want to have a pop-up that says, hey, do you want to give? Or you could just say when they press the button, just take them to giving. So, so we use EasyTies. So you, you would make a tab. It would, tap, it would take them to EasyTies app. Yes. It and that is not because of something I wanted. I, trust me, I don't want it to work that way. Yeah, yeah. that's just how Apple forces it to work. And if you ever look at any like church apps, if you find them having giving, that means they either hid it in there or they manipulated the app after submitting it and it, getting it through review. Because it's not, I mean, it's clearly written in the guidelines, and I've had many apps rejected because I accidentally added it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and we, we integrate it to where like you can click it and it will say, would you like to text to give or go to our website to give? So like a pop-up comes up and then you can let the user choose either way. And it depends on what kind of workload we have. And I'll be honest, the thing that holds us back the most is the communication with the church. Because we'll be like, hey, we need these assets. And then two weeks later, we hear back. And then something's wrong. And we say, hey, this is wrong. We need this. And I mean, I've had a church where I've said, I can turn an app around in two weeks. And they said, sweet, we'll launch in three. And the app development time took over six months. That's because they forever yeah. get mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So... Uh, and so, I mean, I, I could say it's possible in two weeks, very doable in four, but, I mean, it's very easy for it to stretch just because if you can be on the phone with me whenever I have a question for you, it'll be very fast. Other questions? Can we track the number of users that are... Oh, great question. Um, the most popular way to track things on mobile is using a service called Flurry. So we integrate Flurry into the app, and I can give you more data than you will ever know what to do with. So if you want it, if if you want analytics, I will ask you up front, like, how much do you want? Do you just want downloads? Do you just want usage? Or do you want to know, like, every tab click, every sermon note, note taken? I mean, because you can just set up flags, and then it will ping Flurry's server and say what they did. And then you can log in there, and five minutes later, just see everything every user you can track what a certain user did in their session or you can just track track how many times everything's been done so how many times a sermon note's been clicked you can't tell who the user is so it's not too stalkerish but it <laughs> you can you can tell i mean you can definitely get the analytics you want if you want them now i will say only probably like five percent of my churches ever actually want the analytics but i would i mean i'm always happy to integrate them yeah because they just want they want the downloads, but they don't they don't the dashboard is just more than they want. But I mean, I love I love I showed you my I showed you my graph. I know I showed you my graph. I love graphs. 